All right, Romans chapter 15. We're going to read several verses here. Starting in verse number 20, and then we'll pray. We'll read verse 20 down through verse number, say verse number 33. We'll just read that, this section here. Everybody there? Romans 15, verse number 20. The Bible says, Yea, so have I strived to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation. But as it is written, to whom he was spoken of, they shall see. He was not spoken of, they shall see. And they that have not heard shall understand. For which cause also I have been much hindered from coming to you. But now, having no more place in these parts, and having a great desire these many years to come unto you, whensoever I take my journey into Spain, I will come to you. For I trust to see you in my journey, and be brought on my way thitherward by you, if first I be somewhat filled with your company. But now I go into Jerusalem to minister unto the saints. For it hath pleased them of Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor saints which are at Jerusalem. It hath pleased them verily, and their debtors they are. For if the Gentiles have been made partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister unto them in carnal things. When therefore I have performed this, and have sealed to them this fruit, I will come by you into Spain. And I am sure that when I come unto you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake, and for the love of the Spirit, that ye strive together with me in your prayers to God for me, that I may be delivered from them that do not believe in Judea, and that my service which I have for Jerusalem may be accepted of the saints, that I may come unto you with joy by the will of God, and may with you be refreshed. Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to meet together as a church. Thank you, Lord, for your promised presence with us, though you're not uh, visible to us, to, to our, our fleshly eye, yet you have promised to be with us because you are in each and every one of us, and you said you would be in our midst, and so we believe you. And as we pray and we look at your word, Lord, our single desire is that you would help us to understand your word and what you want us to do, that we would take the example you've given to us in your word, and uh, you would help us to, to follow it, to act upon it. Lord, I don't, I don't know exactly what you, what you would like to say to each person here, but I pray you would help me to yield to you and you would uh, help each person's heart to be open and receptive uh, to your word here uh, this evening. Lord, would you be, please bless your people and help your people through uh, the, the scriptures that we've read and we'll study here tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're going to look at, uh, at this, this passage here just... Uh, Hopefully, very briefly, the uh, what is interesting in the, in the scripture is as you look at as what we would call the doctrine of inspiration. The it is a it is a good thing and it is a blessing to us that the Bible is not inspired with just God dictating and human beings writing it down. Uh, there are parts of the Bible that are actually like that. You think of the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were not dictated. Actually, the Ten Commandments were actually spoken audibly by God and then etched 
with his very finger <laughs> into rock two times. But most of the Bible is not written in that way, in which the, the idea of inspiration is not the idea that like a secretary is taking dictation that God is speaking. Most of it, in most cases, the Bible was God inspired the Scriptures by using a person and their personality and their history and the events surrounding their life. You know what, why that's so important? Because what it does is it takes the Bible, which is God's Word, and it, it, it takes it from a lofty place, which is what it is, and it brings it right down to eye level to us. In other words, what I, what I mean by that is when we read the Bible, we can immediately relate to it because the events in the Bible are events that we often deal with. Because the authors were people like us, the human authors. And this is, no, this is an, an, an example of that because in Romans uh, chapter 15, you're getting to the end of Romans. Paul, who is a missionary is writing to a church, he's writing to the church at Rome, and he's explaining things about his ministry. And that's why it's so, uh, it's so uh, relatable to us, is because we, we, we just had that happen. We had a missionary write a letter, two missionaries, and they wrote letters, and they explained what had been happening, and they explained what they what planned on, what they had hoped, or rather what, what they hope will happen, and we listened, and by listening, we were informed about what's going on with that missionary. So in this way, it's the same as what we read in this passage. And throughout the epistles, you'll find that. Paul will give personal information about his ministry, and he'll ask people to pray for him. And that's what I want to talk about tonight, is really verse 30. But you, we can't get down to verse 30 until we first understand the context. So look at what it says in verse 22. He explains in verse 22 why he's been so long in coming to them. What's been hindered? He's been hindered because of he's, 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 it was his philosophy of ministry and his goal and purpose to go primarily to places where the gospel had not yet been. Now, I know missionaries, even I was one of them, but put this uh, verse, I put verse 21, a lot of people put verse 20 on their prayer card. You know, because they want to preach the gospel where Christ has not been named, but there's almost no place on earth where that's the case anymore. But in Paul's day, it was that was the case. But that was the reason he was so occupied that he could not go to Rome. So that's kind of the context. But he tells them in verse 23, he had a great desire to go to them. And he's telling them, what, what is he saying? He says, I'm, I'm planning on taking a trip to Spain. And when I go to Spain, I'm paraphrasing now, when I go to Spain... I want to stop in Rome, and I want to meet with you. And he says, but verse 25, but now I go into Jerusalem to minister unto the saints. Listen, this is not trivia. This is not trivia. There's, there's several reasons this is important, but one of the reasons is it shows us that, that this is a, a real event. This is the kind of thing that makes the Bible so... Uh, uh, well, I, I'm, the, the word just slipped my mind. Not even the Cambodian word came into my mind, so that's bad. It's what makes the Bible so kind of realistic, so uh, down to earth to us, is because these are real events. It's historical. It, 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 these things, this letter happened at a specific period of time in history. And so he says he wants to go to, he's going to Jerusalem to minister unto the saints, and he explains that, and that kind of overlaps with 2 Corinthians. They took up an offering. And they, he, and they gave him that offering 
to take to the poor saints at Jerusalem. And so he's, ta- he's explaining that in the coming days, I'm going to be going to Jerusalem and I'm going to deliver this offering. And he says, verse 28, And when therefore I have performed this and have sealed to them this fruit, I will come by you into Spain. And he, he talks about his intention to come to them. And then he gets to verse 30. All right, you see, this is why you have to understand the context. You have to understand the context to see why this is important. Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit, that ye strive together with me in your prayers to God for me, that I may be delivered from them that do not believe in Judea. Now I want to ask you a question. Now do you understand why he's saying this? Do you follow his prayer request? Let me ask you, let me ask you, ask you like this. Now, can you imagine and understand that the Romans who are reading, the Roman Christians, like the Choice Hills Christians, would read this and understand Paul's prayer request clearly? Would they now be able to pray for him with an informed mind? Yes, because of the context, because of his prayer letter. And this, that's what I want you to see. That's what I want you to see. Let's look at a couple other passages in verse in uh, 2 Corinthians, just to the right. We'll go to the right, so you won't have to flip back and forth. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 8. Look what this says. I just want to show you this pattern a little bit, and then I'm going to make a point, and then we'll go home. All right? 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8 says this. Paul, Paul again speaking, he says, For we would not, brethren... Have you ignorant of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life? But we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raiseth the dead. So Paul is informing the church at Corinth what has happened to him. What has happened to him. Then in verse 11 he says, Ye also helping together by prayer for us. So upon that basis of him informing them, he says now, pray for us. Look at Philippians chapter 1. Again to the right. Philippians chapter 1. Look at verse number 12. He uses the same kind of format. Philippians 1.12 says this, but I would, you, you, would under, you should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out, rather, unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. And then he talks about how that some preach of strife and so on. And then he says in verse number, uh, verse number 18, What then? Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. And then in verse 19, look what he says. For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer. Context. See that? He says, he mentions the fact that the church prays for him, after he mentions the fact that he's in jail and people have heard the gospel from him being in jail 
and that even the gospel from, from, even though he's in jail, the gospel is going into the palace. Think about that, all right? Context of his prayer request. Look at one more. Look at Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4. Verse 2 says, Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving, with all praying also for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Again, he's informing the church of his circumstance to inform their prayers. Here's the point I'm, I'm making, going back to Romans 15. Why does Paul give so much detailed information in the Bible about what he's been doing and what he's planning on doing. Why does he do that? He does it to inform the church. To inform, he, 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 wants, to, he wants to let them know what he's doing. And that's the, that's the essence of a prayer letter. You know, I got, I got one of my prayer letters here. I'll, I'll share something with it in just a minute. But from when we were missionaries, you know, I wrote prayer letters because I wanted the churches to know as a matter of accountability. I wanted them to know what I was doing what I was doing. And, 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 you know, one problem a lot of churches have with missionaries is just is keeping in touch with them. It's because some missionaries just do, don't do a good job at that. But that's an important thing for us to keep up with the missionary to make sure that everything's on the up and up. There's no other way for us to know. I mean, we could track him down and, and, uh, and you know, write his mission board or something like that. But the prayer letter, that's important. This is why we take time to read the prayer letters. And this is why it shouldn't, it, the reading the prayer letters should never be a drudgery to us. And I want to show you that in just a minute. But So the first reason is the prayer letters give us the opportunity to see what the missionary has been doing. He reports to us because we're sending him money, right? We're sending his family money. But the second reason is the prayer letter informs our prayers so that our prayers are no longer general but specific. Now, we should, we should pray for the missionaries. You know, just as a few ideas, I didn't write any of, any of this down, but we should pray for the missionaries' spiritual welfare. Missionaries are not super Christians, just like pastors are not super Christians, just like Christians are not super Christians, right? Church members are not super Christians. Locksmiths are not super Christians, right? We're, they're none of us. There are no super Christians. We all need, on a daily basis, to walk with God. And so that's something we got to pray for the missionaries about. That's very general, right? Pray for the missionary's family. Being on, a, being on a mission field is very difficult on a family. It is very difficult. And the ugly in the missionary and the problems and the ugly in his wife, because, you know, missionary wives have ugly too. Just like the men have ugly, the women have ugly. I'm not talking about face. I'm talking about, you know, have, we all have ugly you know what? The missionaries' wives have ugly, and sometimes that comes out as a result of, of, that, of that mission field. So that's something we should pray for their marriage, and we should pray for their children, and of course, we should pray for their ministries. And we can pray in generalities in that way, and it's fine. But in addition to that, we should pray specifically. And you can't pray specifically unless you're informed. And you can't be informed unless you care. You see, that's why we read missionary letters. Now, I know that these letters are dated. 
that we read, like the one he read from like April 10th or something. I mean, we're, it's a month ago, so it's not really up to date. You know what? We might do something at some point in our church to, to make these things more up to date. You know, right? We're doing. We're just. We're just doing something right now. So you guys are informed on how to pray, and you guys know you should pray for the the uh, the ropers because they're having a problem with their visas, and so that's something up to date to pray for. But the thing is, we want to be informed so that we can pray informed. Here's the thing. Just as a side note, we we should be moving away from praying in always praying in really in, in generalities and get more toward praying in specifics. Here's the thing. The more specific the prayer, the more faith is required to pray it. It's easy to pray in generalities because there's no way to measure whether, it, whether God answered it. If you pray generally, there's no way to tell if God answered it. In fact, Adrian Rogers, he made a really good point. Some of you might have heard of him. He said this, tragically, many of our prayers are so vague that if God were to answer them, we wouldn't even know it. It's true. It's true. So what we do is we, we read the missionary letters and, we, and I invite you, you know, to, to, to go back there and read them and hopefully they'll be more visible in the future. But we read the missionary letters, we get informed so that we can pray specifically. And so Paul, he, he gives specific information about where he's going and that informs the church. And so the church can pray, okay, Lord, help him and bless him and protect him. Thinking about, you know, he's going to be traveling on a ship into Spain and, and praying that he'll be able to stop in Rome and pray especially about him going to Jerusalem because you know there are so many people in Jerusalem that hated Paul's guts. Those are specific things to pray. But of course, just like Paul, this is one letter and this is one letter. They got one letter. It's a brief. It doesn't fill in all the blanks. So we're going to have to use some faith and, and some wisdom and common sense. Is it called horse sense? Is that what they call it? Horse sense? Good old horse sense to figure out what we need to pray for. But the point is we're praying specifically. We're praying because we're informed. We have some things to help us to pray. To some degree, uh, we, we know what we should pray for, but there's also, it's not everything. So we know we got to fill in some details. And so that, sometimes that, that gray area when we're praying for missionaries is a little bit difficult because sometimes like some, some missionaries, they don't write us as much as maybe they should or maybe they can or whatever the case might be. And we don't really know how to pray for them. And it's easy just to say, you know, bless the missionary. But we ought to be doing more than that. We ought to be doing more than that. Number one, be informed. Pay attention. Because a lot of these missionaries are writing because they really, really care about you and, and, and I praying for them. Now look at what it says in verse 30. Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and, and for the love of the Spirit, that ye strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. Strive together. Strive together. Strive, here's what it means. It's used in different ways, but listen to what it means. It means to contend, to struggle against resistance, to ende endeavor vigorously or with strenuous effort. Get this, the word strive, 
the word strive is used in, in a similar context when Paul says to Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. Same word is used when Paul says at the end of his life, I have fought a good fight. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he talks about striving for the mastery. That's sports, right? The, the effort that's exerted. Here's the point. Prayer, and this is the context. Think about this in verse 30. The context is praying for a missionary, praying for a gospel preacher. You know, when, when, when we get real general, we don't really know how to pray, and it kind of gets hard. We haven't heard from them in a while sometimes. We, it start, it's just easy to kind of let it slide by let it pass by and it, it doesn't really become a priority and we don't, really, we don't really try hard. We don't think that our prayers for them matter, but they do. They do matter. And a lot of times you got to remember, we have, it, we have an enemy, the devil. He, the devil is not only fighting on that side of the pond to, to hinder and stop that missionary, but he's also fighting on this side of the pond to hinder and stop us from praying. And like so many other Christian disciplines, prayer is a work of faith. And it's easy to faint in prayer when you don't see results. And when you're talking about a missionary, I mean, it might be months before you even hear anything, if at all ever, because missionaries forget to write follow-ups and things like that. But you still pray because you call upon God because it's not prayer that works but it's God that that works. That's that little, that little difference from the nice little Christian saying, right? Prayer works. No, no, prayer doesn't work. The, the prayer of the wicked is what? A, a what? An abomination to the Lord, right? But, but God works when we pray, and that's why we pray. It's an act of faith. And when we call upon God, it cannot be done without fruit. Now listen to this verse in Colossians, Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. He says, continue in prayer. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving, with all <clears throat> Watching the same with thanksgiving, with all praying also for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds. Continue in prayer. Continue in prayer. Keep praying. Now, there's one other thing I want to show you from, uh, from uh, Romans 15, because it says, he asked the church to, that they strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. So think about that. Think about the church is praying together. They're engaged in a spiritual activity together. Any ministry or service to God that our church can do and perform together will help us. Here's what I mean. Serving God making yourself present in a church service. We call it a service. It's not really a service. This is a meeting. Biblically speaking, this is a church 
meeting, right? Let's get biblical here, okay? Let's get real biblical. You look at the book of Acts, this is a church met together. This is what that says. We're not serving God really by being here. We're present, we're listening, and that's a blessing. But we need to serve together too. We need to serve together because when, the, when, when you are, are, are performing a ministry or serving God with another person in the church, with other people in the church, there's a certain camaraderie, there's a certain unity. In this case, the church is striving together. They're fighting together. And when you have that togetherness and we're doing the same, we're actually serving God, performing an actual literal ministry, and we're all doing it together, that camaraderie, that camaraderie is what gives us the courage to do it rather than doing it alone. It is very hard and it is very rare to find people that are willing to serve God alone. We need each other. That's why whenever we have a ministry, whether it be door knocking or we go to downtown Greenville and we pass out gospel tracts, we have a prayer meeting or we do something around the church or even a work day or whatever we do, it's best to do it together. It's a lot easier to do it together. That's what they're doing. But in this case, what is the ministry? Prayer. They're doing it together. And then you have Paul, finally. He's the one requesting prayer. What does it say that Paul is begging them? The word beseech, verse 30, he's begging them. What does it say about Paul and his confidence toward the church that he's laying out this prayer request knowing that this church is going to respond in prayer together, in unity together, praying, ministering, and even the Bible even says helping him. By prayer. He had confidence in the effectiveness of their prayers. He had confidence that they had desire to follow the Lord in this way. He believed that their prayers would be heard by God and in turn God would act. And perhaps God did act in this case. You think about when he went to Rome, when he went to Jerusalem and all that, all that happened to him there. So this is, our, this is our, you could say, responsibility, but this is our privilege. This is our ministry. Let's put it like that. This is our ministry toward our missionaries. Every Wednesday, for quite a while now, we've been reading prayer letters, read prayer letters. First thing is, listen, pay attention. Note these things in your mind. And then pray specifically. And then pray together. Together. Let me give an example of this, and I'll, I'll close. Back in 2017, some of you might remember, I'm not sure what was going on here and whether these things were read publicly or, I, I don't know. I just, I wasn't here. I was overseas. But back in 2017, this, this letter is dated June 11th, 2017. And in this letter, here's what I said. For the past few weeks, we have been making trips out to one of the red dots. I mentioned those the other, uh, the other night, Some didn't I? Didn't I mention the red dots? I can't remember. What was it? Recently. Ma'am? Last Sunday night when Matt Hancock was here. That's right. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. My memory is very poor. That's why I write it down. So the past few weeks, we've been making trips out to one of the red dots called Pau. 
to survey there in hopes of doing evangelism. On our first trip, the Lord caused our paths to cross with a Christian lady named Sarilette and her daughter, Pitsay, who is also a Christian. She is apparently the only Christian in the town to this day, to this moment. She is still the only Christian in her town. She has indicated that she would like to see a church started there. Please, now notice what I said. Now, I've, I've, you know, I was doing like Paul, you know, but understand what, I'm, what I mean by that. So I was informing you of what's been happening to, so that your prayers could be specific and informed. All right, here's what I say. Please pray for the Lord to provide a venue for evangelism with people we meet and for, the, and for discipleship. This is the biggest need in this potential ministry. So this was the first red dot we went to. I wish I had time, and I don't. Maybe one day I'll, I'll, I'll get to describe to you what happened and how the Lord brought this lady, brought our paths together. It's a fantastic story. But anyhow, I ask you to pray that for a venue for evangelism with people and for discipleship. Well, on the one hand, the, the venue for discipleship we were able to get. We actually met at a gas station. There was a place to sit in a gas station. And for, I mean, weeks and weeks and weeks, I mean, months. It, it, I mean, we, we did discipleship. She got baptized. I mean, it was, the, the Lord worked it out where that lady grew. She's serving God at this moment. You know, she's living for God. She's the only Christian in her town. And that was, that was all kind of downstream of this letter. But the other, the other thing is ask for a venue for evangelism. That was June 11th. I sent out an update on June 28th, and this is what the update said. We just wanted to send a quick note to you uh, to let you know of an answer to prayer about this meeting at the high school and to ask you to pray for, for the meeting. Because of a teacher's meeting at the school tomorrow, the principal has asked us if we would like to have a meeting at 8 a.m. instead of 2 p.m. We praise the Lord for this because the kids are still in classes at 8 a.m. It's an answer to prayer. So now the meeting begins at about 11 hours from now. Please keep this meeting in your prayers as we go to Wednesday night service that we would have boldness and liberty from the Lord and the folks at the school and many kids would come. And most importantly, that Jesus Christ and his gospel would be lifted up. That, that was in response to this. It was a venue because the, the girl that we had met was a, she was a senior in high school. She was getting ready to graduate. And she, once she met us, she said, I want you to go tell about Jesus in my high school. And so she marched us straight into the principal's office. And she introduced us to the principal. And the principal gave us permission and set a date for us to come and have a seminar about Christianity in the high school. And we were able to invite the students. And we had 20-something students show up. And we, held, we had slides and we showed, you know, all kinds of things like that, all kinds of slides. And it was about, we played games with them and all kinds of stuff. It was about two and a half hours or three hours, something like that. We had a seminar about Jesus. Of course, it, you know, you couldn't call it really a seminar. But anyway, that's what we did. But see, that was, listen, that was an informed prayer request, specific prayer request, so that you could pray specifically. And there was a specific answer. We had a venue. So that's, I just brought that up to show you why it's important that we pay attention to what our missionaries are, are saying, that we, listen, and if you have trouble, and listen, if you have trouble being specific, write the missionary. You have every right to go back there and get their email address and send them an email and ask them to give you information. You have every right to do that. 
Don't you hesitate and don't be sheepish about it. And they ought to write you back. And if they don't tell me, and I will write them. Now that I'm a pastor. No, seriously. They ought to write you back. I, you know, I say that and I mean it because it's, it, communication is important. So write the missionary. Get information. Is it, write them. Get, get their email addresses. Write them say, what can I pray about specifically for you? I'm praying for you. And in that same, in that same vein, I have made these. <clears throat> I'm going to do this every Wednesday. And what it is is just a simple prayer sheet with missionary prayer list. And every Wednesday, I'm going to make one. And I'll put the up, as I get the prayer requests, the new prayer requests from the missionary, I'll summarize them on here just to help you remember, help me remember. And then every Wednesday, I'll, have, I'll put them on the, the table back there and you can take it home and it can refresh your memory about what the prayer requests are so that you can be informed. And we'll, keep it, we'll try to keep it updated as much as we can. And this is just for the missionaries that we support. So hopefully this, this list will will get larger. So after the service, I'll have those and I encourage you to take one and pray specifically. Conduct that ministry for that missionary to help them. Okay, let's pray.